happened to FC Cincinnati and everyone talked about it this week, we've got you covered. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Valella, joined as always by the waviest man in the St. Louis metropolitan area, Phil Grooms. Phil, what's up? What's up? How's it going? You know, I'm, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. We all are. That's uh, why we're here. We, we, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, and we are joined by the, uh, the USL Stats Department, also known as Ryan Allen. What's up, guys? How's it going? How's it going? Back to um, school, man. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, back to Greenville. Just I, uh, moved in today. Back to ECU. Saw I, a women's soccer match today with NCAA Bulls. They won 3-2 over Dayton. How great is that? That's cool. Good way to start. Did it in golden goal overtime, so pretty fun. Mm. <laughs> right on. This is, uh, this is Easter Conference Confidential, by the way. I didn't say that. This is episode 26, um, which, you know, pick a briefcase. Uh... We're a part of the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. There's a bunch of those. You can you can check that out um, at the BGNFM on Twitter, BGN.FM on the on the interwebs for uh, a ton of podcasts. But uh, we're here to talk about the Eastern Conference of the USL as a whole. Um, I honestly I don't know where to start. I guess we'll we'll do uh, we'll do some news, shall we? Let's do some news. Um, the big one. I don't know if anyone saw this. FC Cincinnati played a decently important maim, which is a match in a game, um, <laughs> against the New York Red Bulls proper. Um, and I thought the world was going to end because after an hour, they were up to nothing. After goals from, of all people, Corbin Bone and Austin Berry. Former um, Wilmington Hammerhead. Yep, and, uh, and both those guys, former Philadelphia Union. Um. Now, not to spoil anything, but uh, Gonzalo Verón, Bradley Wright Phillips uh, had something to say about that Red Bull advance in extra time. But guys, what a what a match! Crazy, couldn't it was exciting to go into extra time. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's heart was was racing, even if they weren't in that game. Just you know, couldn't believe they went up two zero. You know, without GB going against everything we kind of said in the beginning. You know, going yep. into that game about whether they should even. Whether they should even try, um, you know, logistically, and and here they are. They were up, like you said, two two zero for an hour. That's really impressive. Really cool that it went if, that if, way, honestly. If nothing else, right? That that's the you know. Exactly. The big takeaway this season is they were able to knock off so many of those MLS teams and then really, really hang in against Red Bull. Um, yeah, and props to all the fans in attendance for that match who yeah. started chanting FCC once the final whistle blew. Yep. Yep, there was, uh, uh, I think, Cincy Soccer Talk or the, the Bailey themselves posted a, uh, a photo or a video of the Red Bulls, you know, uh, applauded them after the match as well. So, um, you know, a lot of mutual ad- ad- admiration. I think Jesse Marsh even um, had a, a good chunk to say about that club. So, um you did us proud, Cincinnati, and we're we're uh, even though I was I was very you know you're not going to beat Sporting Kansas City, um, and you won't get the chance now. But uh, mm-hmm. not the way I wanted to see that that go down for sure. Um, it was cool to see all the even MLS uh, you know non Red Bull sides kind of pushing and, and cheering for Cincinnati. Everybody likes that upset. Everyone likes the yep. little guy. So it was really cool. I didn't Don realize Garber it till was even in attendance. Who was sorry? Pop. Don Garber was yeah. in attendance as well. Oh yeah, Daddy Garbs, the Bachelor himself. Um, 
yeah, no, so, uh, you know, a big week for them. Uh, we'll talk about how they did in the, in the league, which wasn't that great. But, um, oh, and then I guess I guess the other thing, um, since he's looking to use Nippert for MLS, which I understand, but that's... Mm, what you what is this what is this pausing it, and and thinking it's, I, but it, it's it's not i know isn't that isn't that very unlike me I, it's not <laughs> it's not mls 2.0 of them you know it's what i not. mean like in in this day and age where it's you basically need a soccer specific or you need to have plans for a soccer specific i get the the sentiment and i get that that place has a lot of a lot of emotional value for that club um given it's been their home for uh you know two years at the end of this one and they've they've had a lot of crazy things happen there um but it's it's not helping them with the bid i think is is what that comes down to do you think that it's not i mean because that's really disappointing and i just don't understand why i mean do you know are there actual reasons why they need a brand new stadium as far as why mls wants them to have a new stadium when theirs is perfectly fine is there any thought process here that that i might be able to agree with in some way because i don't i i well and and the thing is that we're not any of those guys um so if if people want like a proper full out explainer on that, definitely um, go go listen to our friends over at Cincy Soccer Talk. Um, yeah, I. So, it's weird because they already renovated Nipper, like FC Cincinnati paid for it and everything um, to to make it a bigger field, um, which cut out some seats. They don't need to, but if you look at a lot of the other clubs, at least in in name and sort of status that are on that level as Cincy, so like your Tampa Bay, um, Sacramento, Sacramento, Nashville, Nashville, even Phoenix in a way, um, they are all, we have stadiums or we're pushing to either get stadiums or in Tampa's case, renovate outlying. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an arbitrary thing. And I think in terms of just on-field product and, and, and soccer and fan base, Cincinnati is a no brainer, but you, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Yeah. I, I, mean, I see ex- both sides for this is, I mean, you have Atlanta and Minnesota who well, not Atlanta now, but they both play in college stadiums prior to the season. Then you go back through and you see a lot of other mm. schools have played in, or a lot of other clubs have played in college stadiums or Orlando City playing in the camping world and now it just looks so much nicer when they move to their new place. It's a place they can call their own. They can hold their matches there and it just looks better for at least a selling point for the league. It's not mm-hmm. MLS 1.0 when you had half the league playing in NFL stadiums. These They need to be in their own place to make it their own. If you look at all the other markets, I mean Take Nashville, for instance. You don't see them playing in Vanderbilt's home stadium. You see them pushing for a 30,000-seat stadium of their own. Sacramento is very ready for a stadium of their own. I think it just makes the bid stand out, and to not have that would set them back despite all the attendance factors they have. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird to be in in St. Louis and and experience the situations that that we did that vote that happened here and all the I don't want to say anger but but people got really heated about the conversation of the whole public funds used for sports and um 
after going through that, it just seems like such a no-brainer to me to get a city, uh, a public group behind your team to do something like renovate a stadium and use Nippert, which I've been to and, and I think is a perfectly good, if not great, uh, stadium. Um, their case, I think, is especially good, maybe more so than anywhere else. Uh, but, you know, just the ability to make it happen and get the public behind you is is much, much higher mm. than a place like St. Louis and Detroit where they're trying to throw... Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, these cities have other problems and and they're asking right. for millions right. of dollars. You know, we all know, you know the same old story, but, um, you know, if they can make it happen for half the price or a fifth of the price or something like that and get the city behind them, then they should do it, especially when, yeah. you know, St. Louis took all the heat for this public funding thing. I would say a majority of it, and a lot of other cities were joining in, well, look at our thing. It's it's We're doing it without public funding, and then now the more we look at it, the more we see Nashville and Cincinnati kind of asking for that public funding. And so my mm-hmm. my thought, my last thought on that is that are any cities going to get it done without a ton of public funding, even though we thought St. Louis was going to be the worst? You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's unrealistic. Um, so. so why not Nipper? So it, it's one of those things to answer to answer why not Nippert, I think it's one of those things where if Cincinnati said hey you know like Atlanta because they play in Bobby Dodd where they would go hey we have a stadium coming in in two years let us hang out here for for the next two years then we'll move that's what Minnesota's um, doing yep same thing with, Atlanta, with them too it, yep uh, then it then it wouldn't be as big of a deal but right now there's not even a, a, a blueprint you know what i mean there's there's yeah. nothing in terms of their stadium running here's plan b but there's no i do not believe there's a location chosen just ones that are candidates yeah um about the public funding um every sports ownership group has enough money to fund a stadium full stop they mm. just don't because they know they can get public money and it increases their portfolio and well, I would argue too that in St. Louis they weren't willing to take the hit. You know, they were looking at their profit margins, and the the, never, the kickback never. wasn't good enough for them to. Right. You know, I because I think they probably could afford it, but they just chose not to because the margins well, weren't good enough. And you put the public on the hook for it. Right. It doesn't affect you. It's just you know everyone's taxes are forever, and they never see the return on it. Um. Anyway. Guys, there was uh oh and, and then I guess I guess uh now nah, we'll bring that up when, when we talk about the match. Uh there was some soccer this week. Uh in USL. It was the twenty first week of the season. We're we're uh fastly approaching the end of the year. That's weird, isn't it? It is. Time flies. Mm, uh, a lot of teams have less than ten matches left. It's true. Crazy. It's true. It's getting it's uh it's do or die time in the USL. Uh, yep, started with uh, with Charleston and the Red Bulls too. Um, Romario Williams gets back into his goal scoring form, but uh, Stefano Bonomo scores for Red Bull too, and uh, this ends in a one one draw. Charleston at home got everybody back, I think, and still, you know, not killing anybody, you know. So mm-hmm. is it is it Romy? I don't know, I don't know. He scored, but I think a bigger highlight of the issue 
who was New York outshot the battery 22 to 4 and the battery were at home and they only got one shot on target and it was Romy's goal that's not something you would do when you're the home team more or less playing a team that's a fringe playoff spot at best something's going on if this is I still think it's Romario trying to adjust back to his team but there's more than Uh, him he they're not a one team player they have they still have Justin Portillo they have Mikhail Chang Mm -hmm. that is in the conversation as big players on that team as well but to get out shot 22 to 4 at home is just I don't don't want to use this phrase but it's almost unacceptable for Mm. a team of Charleston's caliber who were leading the conference two-thirds of the season up to this point yeah well and and the other thing I think that's going to be an issue for them um O'Brien Woodbine got sent off, which was probably frustration, right? Probably. Um, Earn a second yellow. Yep. And they have uh, Rochester away. So, yeah, okay, Williams is back and he scores. Then what happens is, is I think, what the question's becoming for, for Charleston. Can we hold on to one nil wins anymore? Can we find more than one goal? Because I think, you know, maybe not the, the two versus seven or the one versus eight matchup in the playoffs, but if you get a two versus, you know, four or five, you're not going to, you know, you're going to try to get dragged into a, a, a shootout and a street fight, and I don't know if Charleston can handle that. Yeah, I wonder if they can. And how much of this is maybe them getting tired or luck swinging the other way, you know? It could be a lot of different things. Soccer gods not working in their favor. I don't think it's that they got I mean, found out. As of right now, if you know. No, because Williams is still scoring. And they're I still playing if, if their style. Goes, His 15th on the year. Right. I, I think if, if, if he goes a couple games without getting the goal, then we can say that they figured him out. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to get out shot 22 to 4 and your one shot on target goes in. Um, yeah, hundred percent shot accuracy. But at the start of the year, we were—I <laughs> mean, at the start of the year, we were thinking, hey, "Is anyone going to catch Charleston?" And now at this point, we're wondering, will they get a home playoff match? Because mm. currently, right now, the Rhinos in fifth sit only three points behind them, and would easily swing that if they can and win this weekend. Yep. They wouldn't affect the goal difference, but. They'd be level on wins. Mm, mm. And then you go back to Bethlehem in six. They currently have 33 points, so they're still not far off from a home playoff Very race. interesting. Yeah, not far off of either of those teams, really. Um, anyway, uh, moving on, the Keystone Cup was Mine's decided. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Mike, I don't get why uh, they're Mike, not I part didn't. of it. Do we know? So... They were afraid Pittsburgh and Harrisburg wouldn't win it. Maybe. Uh, I don't know for sure. Bottom line, here's why. However, I believe Harrisburg made the cup and the competition. They are extremely petty when it comes to Bethlehem Steel. Um, so we have not been invited. Because, apparently end of last year going into this year we were trying to work on a separate cup called the steel city cup sorry if i'm blowing up plans for next year guys uh between bethlehem and pittsburgh 
Interesting. So this is not like we don't want to do this. It's that no one's invited us. That's what I was uh, going to say. Is this or, one of those things where there's or, like th- three groups of friends and it's just like no one hates each other, no one loves each other, just no one's asking each other to hang out. It's kind of what it feels like, I right? I, and I, USL I, is like, you know, unor- disorganized enough or, for that to get to be gotten away with, you know? Harrisburg and Bethlehem do not like each other at all in the slightest. Uh, hmm. The teams. Um, and even actually technically the cities because Bethlehem stole Harrisburg's biggest manufacturing and got better at it, um, which is a fun tidbit. But Harrisburg was known for steel, then Bethlehem came along and, and did it better. And, uh, yeah. No, but the, the players in, in Bethlehem don't like the Harrisburg guys. Harrisburg guys don't like Bethlehem. The organization, the union don't give a damn either way because – you know they have steel now, um, but Harrisburg is still kind of petty about it. Um, it's like St. Louis and Chicago, except St. Louis is the petty yes. one in this case. Yes, it makes total yeah. sense to me now. Yeah, yeah. same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds won the Keystone Cup. Asterisk uh, <laughs> three nothing over Harrisburg. Anytime Harrisburg <laughs> loses, I'm happy. If I'm honest, um, you must be happy yeah, quite Romeo often. Parks in, in, this is in, a good thing. <laughs> see? It's the key to my success. <laughs> there you go. Romeo Parks in the 28th, uh, Chevy Walsh, 56-76. The win that the Riverhounds needed? Uh, probably. Yeah. I. If it was against a not, not Harrisburg team and it was the same result, I think it would be even more so the win that they needed. But, you know, doesn't hurt to get one. No. That definitely is something. I, mean, I added that in. Yeah, I added that in the show notes more of as a question of confidence that, hey, we're still in this playoff race. If they would have lost this one, it was more in my mind saying, okay, maybe they're not as serious a contender and I can kind of pencil their name out of the race. But I think this is, above all else, a confidence booster that we can still make the playoffs in this thing, even though... I mean, they're currently 11th and only four points outside of a playoff spot. If that would have happened, if they would have lost it, they would have been down with Harrisburg and 12 mm-hmm. or with 12th. And yeah, 13th. the crazy thing is that we had all those teams right in the middle there vying for a playoff spot, and every single one of those teams won <laughs> except for Harrisburg. Yeah. And now look where Harrisburg yep. is. So, yeah, yep. it was it was really you know my team's one of those teams. I was really excited to jump up, sure. you know, and then all of a sudden the next day I look at the standings and like pretty close to where we were before. So. Um, it's exciting right, and it's it's right. encouraging, but a little disappointing that everyone else won. You know, it's like taking three steps forward and another one back. But it's all right. It's better than losing. The middle of the table is marred in mediocrity. Yeah, it is. Um, well, and and I think what's big for the Hounds, Trey Mitchell is is back. Um, he gets a clean sheet, and they score three times. Because that was kind of the, the gist over there in Mongols was like, where are our goals yeah. at? I think. And now, you know, two of their forwards get, get on the sheets. So, I agree that that's um, it's the not bigger the big part one, of it but, is the three goals. Yeah. And then not to mention, you know, mediocrity in the middle of, of the table. And uh, I completely agree because really everyone below number eight right now, just there's no reason these teams should be really close and feel good about it. You know what I mean? Like how are these teams, including my own hanging on and still a possible conversation of this playoff race? 
Um, it's really, it's you know, part of that whole eight teams making the playoffs is the thing. So, you know, in other leagues, this may not be so exciting uh, for these lower teams, right, but right, thank right. goodness in this case that uh, that it is. I'll take it. Ottawa three, Charlotte one. This is so... what is happening to these teams up at the top of the table. Um, Eddie Edwards, Gerardo, Bruna, and uh, Donija Reed, I believe. Apologies, Mr. Reed. Uh, for Ottawa, David Spies for, for Charlotte. Um, Charlotte gets possession. Ottawa leads shots um, with, with Charlotte only getting one on target, too. There's another theme going on between the, the top clubs in, in the week. Um, but, yeah, Charlotte cannot play against teams in Canada to save their lives. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they drew against Toronto last week 2-2 because Jordan Hamilton rescued a point for the Baby Reds at, yeah, right. or at BMO Field. But Charlotte, or the Canadian clubs continue to be the bane of Charlotte's existence on the road. Now, Charlotte hasn't done the reverse fixtures against those two sides as of yet, but it's so surprising to see it's, the top-of-the-table team yeah. lose to... Or the same thing with... A, not the same result, but the same thing with Charleston drawing to New York. It's surprising to see these top-of-the-table clubs struggling against sides that are, as I said earlier, marred in mediocrity. That's interesting. Do you think maybe it's it's kind of parody catching up too late kind of a thing, you know, like adjusting regression well, to the mean sort of thing where, you know, like maybe these teams are all closer than we thought and it's just kind of figuring itself out right now? Or do you think it could even be that – these upper half teams are getting comfortable and the lower half teams are getting really uncomfortable and, and they're just trying that much harder. I don't know. It's funny. I think, I think it's a mix of both. Um, and, you, you know, feel free to chime in. I think at the beginning of the year, at least for me, the parody just, like, wasn't there at all. Like, it was this really weird, like... No, oh, it was dominated was, by the yeah. top. If this was a team that was supposed to win, they won. If it wasn't, they didn't. Um, so I think, you know, parody is picking a really weird and, and really kind of fun time to, to show itself in the league. Um, and then on top of that as well, I do think teams are getting kind of comfortable because the rhetoric for a lot of the teams in kind of eight, seven and six, and then, you know, nine and, and 11 and 12 even is once we get into the playoffs, it's a new season. And I'm, I'm kind of, it would be a little funny, but I'm wondering if some of the teams that are, that are quote-unquote safe right now are also buying into that. Yeah, I mean, if you currently look at the top of the table, a lot of teams for the longest time for at least the past two seasons in USL, 40 points have been the minimum to make the playoffs. Currently, Charlotte have 43 and is above that. So maybe it's more banking on, okay, once we get to the playoffs, everything, will, it's a new season, we'll only be four wins away from lifting the title at the end of the year. But I also think it's more of just every one of these top t- sides have a bad loss in them. If you look at the top six, each one has a loss that you just look at and say, that shouldn't be there. Charlotte yeah. with maybe Ottawa, if you look at Louisville losing to Harrisburg hmm. a few weeks ago. Ooh. Rochester lost two to one to New York Red Bulls. Bethlehem three to two with Richmond. Yep. Tampa Bay a few times with over, especially four three St. Louis later on in the show. So I just think it's more of 
let's get a bad loss out of our system, and mm. it's just the one time they let their guard down, and it's against a weaker opponent. Could be. It could also too be just a, a you know what happens when you have a playoff system versus you know everywhere else in the world system where you yeah. get the first place at the end of the season and you're the winner. You know everyone below first place right now is just like just get me into the playoffs. We can take a loss here, and then everyone below the line is right. saying give me this win, give me this win, give me this win. We gotta make it into that eight. Yeah. You know it's it's a different motivation completely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. You could look at the English Championship as an example. You saw Brighton just kind of run away with the league at the top, and then once they secured promotion, (laughs) it was eventually Newcastle that came in and won the championship there because Brighton let their guard down. Yeah, Brighton did guarantee themselves a spot in the Premier League for this year, but once they assured promotion, they were like, breaks off, we're done. (laughs) Just like West Bromwich Albion, whenever they hit 40 points, they just close up shop, and that's it. (laughs) Great examples. Uh, human nature. I think it's just human nature. What if it's that simple? I, I think so. I, I think do so. too. Hey, did we mention that uh, Ottawa Fury's coach is no longer their oh, coach? Oh, we was didn't that mention thing? that. Did we... Yeah, because that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> I guess we – no, it's not. We had another chance to – we have another chance to talk about them, I guess. Uh, they lost. We'll, we'll yeah. do it now. Um, this will be – this. whatever. Uh Start of, of this week on uh, on Wednesday, uh, they lost three nothing to Orlando City. Then after the game, uh, it's Paul Dalglish, right? Is their coach? Yes, was correct. their coach. Uh, has uh, has resigned due to personal issues. Um, I won't speculate. So yeah, they're uh, not in a great spot, which is weird because it's not a bad week for them at all really uh yeah i mean you're still in the heart of a playoff race but it's a ship without its captain now yeah can we talk about what someone else speculated about is that legal sure i don't yeah i mean no idea how true this is but um you know unused substitutes were talking about this and and they mentioned something what's up guys uh they mentioned something about um him getting the the job for the next austin team that was announced um that's going to be going into usl in in 2019 correct and so um i guess they thought perhaps that he found out he got the job and said hey i'm I'm done at the end of the season and maybe they thought well if we're gonna lose you we're just gonna cut the ties now yeah rather than kind of let you you know possibly maybe coast through the rest of the season and then focus on austin as soon as you can so i don't know if that's true but it's something they speculated about so that's weird for me for a couple reasons um one yeah okay it's weird that he's leaving you at the end of the year although you know, maybe I'd rather know that now than be surprised by it at the end of the season. Um, two, you guys are kind of in a playoff push yeah. in a way. That's the weirdest thing to me. Um, Seems like an odd well, time to and then, and then the sack a manager. Thing, the weirdest thing for me, though, is is he really going to be okay sitting on his hands for... <laughs> yeah. Two, if you I know, was him, I'd be excited, when, um, to be honest with you, because what's the hardest thing in USL, well, in my opinion, it's scouting, and he can take a whole year to scout out some guys. Yeah. But, I mean, look at... Build a team right? from scratch. Uh, yeah, but look at what happened with Jason Christ in New York City. Yeah. yeah. 
That went super great. And honestly, Precky. <laughs> he had a he had a year awesome. to do whatever okay, he wanted. But that then, really didn't go great. But then look at Tata Martino in Atlanta United. Yeah, but that's a that's a completely different level of coach. Uh, maybe. Yes, it is. Come on, ex Argentina manager. It is. Okay. Yes, of course, it is a completely <laughs> different level of coaching. What I'm pointing out is there. This is a completely different range level of options. You can either languish Austin into their first season, or you can come in with a bang and unseat San Antonio as the best team in Texas. I mean, I'm still sticking with the whole, if you have a year to scout out some guys, that's nothing but good. You know, to be able to focus on one thing. You'll find some good players there. Yeah, Travel the country. Go out of the country, you know? Doesn't he kind of know who he wants, though? As a coach, don't you kind of have guys where you're like, if I can get him, I'm going to go get him? What if you saw a bunch of videos and you were being talked to by agents constantly because you don't have time to go out and see guys yourself? What if you have a year to actually see these guys on the pitch, practicing and um, playing in a game level? Um, Even going around to academies and finding younger guys that could get the chance, you know, like to me, this is a golden opportunity for him. And if he doesn't see it that way, that's, uh, you know, I I think he's making a huge mistake, but he might be, you know, he might be rubbing his hands together thinking this is the best possible thing that could happen. And then the other thing, too, is that he was the GM and the coach for Ottawa. Um, And I wonder if he's in the same capacity as, as he is that he would be there that he was with Ottawa. Hmm. That's a really bad sentence. No, we get it. You get it. Because um, if, you know, if they have a guy and they go, hey, this is going to be our GM, you know, then maybe it's simple as, as all right, Dale Gleish would have to talk to whoever is just the other guy in charge at Austin, and if they like it, he'll go for it. If not, whatever, hmm. they can move on. Um, yeah, but it's just, just just a really odd situation, I think, more than anything. Yeah, uh, it's only especially because of the the playoff race. You know, it's so weird to kind of change you know change bosses at the at mid mid midway through here. You'd think you'd want to stick with the guy when you've been you know almost consistently staying within that that range of making the playoffs. It's it's weird. Yeah. Although Swansea changed three managers last year and they survived relegation. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. They, they found a way. Um, speaking of surviving, um, Orlando City B survive off of a Haji Berry goal, um, which always makes me think of Odd Future. <laughs> the, um, that dude has quite the long Orlando, stride. Have you seen this guy run, Haji Berry? He does. He's, a, he's very gang. He's very he's, he's, he's yes, lanky. lanky. He's very lanky. Haji Berry. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, um... Kind of your standard Richmond kickers at home match in that they they like to get a lot of fouls <laughs> going, and um, Orlando City uh, cannot stop winning. I guess we'll we'll talk about that game. Well, that was the they were on the they were on the positive end of the Ottawa game, so they're up to uh, nine unbeaten, three wins and six draws. This match specifically against the kickers ended their six match um, drawing streak where. Yep. And basically with this one, a kicker shown five yellow cards. They led in shots, but only three shots in targets So the entire match, which is pretty Richmond Kickers-esque. Yeah, and you know, we I keep talking about Orlando City B when that game of that war of attrition, you know, those draws, those what, six draws in a row? A lot of people, yep. if you're a fan of Orlando City B, which there aren't many of them out there, but if you were 
you'd be really disappointed and bored out of your <laughs> mind with all these draws and, and people would be on a podcast complaining about it saying what the hell are we doing do we need a new coach and then they get these two wins right. where are your where are your fans so we made to right exactly but but then yeah, they get these two wins, and, and that those six draws don't look so bad because there's no losses. You know, it's it's boring perhaps, but now six draws, two oh, wins. These oh. guys are sitting really pretty in that in that playoff race. I think we'll talk yep. more about that. Currently seventh. They're in it, yeah. Uh, which is which is big. Um, yeah, and then and then the last game from from week twenty one. Uh, no, just kidding. Sorry, just kidding. The uh, maybe the most surprising one from from last weekend: Louisville five, FC Cincinnati uh, zero. Uh, Mitch didn't say no a whole lot, really. Um, Mitch said yes. Yeah, Mitch said yes. Uh, and if if there was ever a case for you guys should really focus on not having to play Louisville, uh, here you go. Here. Orlando City B would be matched up with Louisville currently. And, That'd be fun. I mean, this match was just Louisville from start to finish. They outshot Cincinnati 30-8, to 15-4 in shots and target. The only thing Cincinnati led on the night were tackles, clearances, fouls conceded, and yellow cards. And goals allowed. Ouch. And goals allowed. By like a, by like a lot. Uh, you know, just silver <laughs> lining. Um, yeah, uh... Good news is Cincinnati gets to focus on the on the league yeah, now. It's true. Uh, um, oh, and there was some weird nonsense between supporters groups and front offices about who's yeah. supposed to sit where and, and escorting people out of stadiums and some bullshit. Which, like, you know, yay, MLS. Uh, all I can say from at least this match, it was it did seem to confirm what we were talking about last week that they were putting all their efforts forward for the Open Cup run rather than this match against Louisville. Without a doubt, and um, you know it didn't pay off, but they still, or maybe it did because they did do well against New York. But um, you know, I, I thought it was really funny too because th- that whole thing about Orlando really not having fans to sit here and, and complain about their team because you know St. Louis lost yeah. that game four to one against Louisville at home because of a red card. The same thing; they were ahead at the half, and and uh, fans just railed on the team, talking about how they gave up and how terrible, how much they've given up on the whole season, you know. And and then I see a game like this, and um, there are exceptions to the rule, but it kind of gave me a little more faith that, you know, sometimes you get a red card and and you give up a million goals even if you were up before the red card. And so it happens. It gave me a little more faith in St. Louis, to be honest with you, um, that, you know, let's not freak out over a red card game where you lose a lot. It just happens. I will say one thing to bring up. The last time I believe a team got lost 5-0 in a match here in the Eastern Conference, Rochester then went on a 10-match unbeaten <laughs> run past it. So maybe some good comes out of it. Make this. them a little more hungry. There you go. Hey, uh, Make up the goal differential somehow. Speaking of, of teams that are, are looking good, I'll defend myself later if I have to. Uh, Bethlehem 3, Toronto FC 2, uh, 1. This was a weird one, live. Um, Nanco finds Corey Burke on a really pretty volley, uh, kind of far post. And then, um, Matt Real... Matt, um, hi. Uh, you don't play basketball. 
And while it wasn't a penalty because the guy was outside of the box, you can't run a pick play in soccer and try to get a charge, um, which is why the ref awarded a foul, which it was, and then a penalty, which, uh, you know. Uh, Mitchell Tainer scores, and then James Chambers' second touch is a penalty kick goal after Corey Burke draws it, and then Chris Nanko finishes for his second goal against teams from his home province. Did you say his second touch was a PK? James Chambers' second touch was a penalty kick Was goal, he yeah. subbed his in? His first one. Well, because he was, okay. yeah. So uh, they were resting a bunch of guys for uh, Charlotte. Does he usually take penalties? I thought that was strange. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, him or Corey, depending. Um, James being the outright captain, you know, it's kind of <laughs> his, his thing. Uh, and, and you don't really want to, he had a quote after the match. I'm a, I'm a grumpy so-and-so. He said so-and-so or else I would have cursed. Uh, I'm a grumpy so-and-so when I play and I'm a grumpy so-and-so when I don't play. <laughs> I just hope he walks um, up. You can't call him angry though. I just hope he walks up to the ball and says, my island. Does he say that? Yeah. Is that an old man reference now? Kind of, but like he's from Ireland. Yes, so that guy was Irish. He would literally be on an. Uh, okay, great. So yeah, Ireland. Uh, he'll, he'll probably Ireland. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, and and then um, hilariously, Chris Nanko scores four goals this year. Two of them against teams from Ontario, of which he is a native of. So, um, no love Very lost nice. there. Yeah. Good game. Uh, you know, another another solid win. Good resolve to you know take the lead, give up a, a kind of wonky penalty, and then get two more goals and, and kill it off. So um, we'll talk about their match against Charlotte, but I think that was actually a really solid result other than they didn't get any points out of it uh, as well. You ended Toronto's feel, uh, um, win and draw streak of not losing two games in a row. We did. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they get for taking a bus <laughs> from Delaware. Uh, Phil, um, what what happened? I, I messaged you this as the game was happening, and I saw it was is three three. Um, what uh what's going on? You guys you guys beat Tampa Bay, which I was not expecting. Mm. I wasn't either. Yeah, what even was this match? There was a goal in the first and the 89th yeah. minute. Yeah. Well, okay, that you know what that's the best way to look at it. To be honest with you, so you go into this game. Obviously, I don't think Tampa Bay was looking at St. Louis to do well at all and I think if I'm lucky they've figured some things out if I'm not lucky then they're going to go back to playing just like they have been but the way the game went was two early goals really hard punches I mean Tampa Bay just didn't see it coming the way that it came maybe they studied up a little differently than than what happened and that makes sense Um, and then they had a little meeting they gathered their wits. I think um, maybe the captain, I think, is the one. He kind of pulled Tampa Bay together. The second uh, St. Louis scored the second goal. And, and they started to kind of fight back. All of a sudden, you know, Schaefer came back. A lot of balls hit that just guys weren't being marked closely. Gave them a little bit of space, and Tampa Bay took advantage of, of a couple good counterattacks. Uh, tied it up in the 36th minute. And, and, you know, so it was a thing where it was like a sandwich of, Hard hitting in the beginning from St. Louis and then hard hitting at the end. I definitely thought my heart was going to be broken after they took the lead um, with that third goal. And I gave up. Um, not totally disappointed because St. Louis scored two goals, and lately that's been impossible to do. And so I, I was already kind of happy when two goals happened. But to get that win at the end, um, to see Tampa Bay kind of pay for 
all the the yellow cards they were pulling, even though I would say the ref seemed to be calling in our favor quite often in this game. Um, they still kind of asked for what they got. Uh, Damian Lowe was, you know, just really physical. Um, heard from the unused subs guys that that's really normal for him. He's got the most uh, yellow cards, I think, either on the team or in the defense. And uh, he just had to pay for it. He got the red toward the end, and that, I think, definitely made it possible to, to pull the win out. So the big question, though, is, is is this the new St. Louis, or are they going to go back to being the old St. Louis? Or is it the new Adventures Ooh, of Wilson? Man, I'll take either of that or the new St. Louis. The, la- <laughs> the last thing I would Fair like enough. to say, though, is that, you know, I- I've been saying over and over that St. Louis lost all their uh, pacey guys toward the mil- in the early middle of the season, lost them for about six weeks or so. Uh, they got them all back, plus they got two more kind of pacey guys. And um, they took advantage of, of speed in this game, without a doubt, and I think that was the big surprise. They had three guys trying to get in behind right from the first uh, word from the word go. And so uh, I think that took them off. off you know, they didn't expect it and um, took advantage of it early and then was able to use it at the end again. The other thing is that Apia, Emmanuel Apia, uh, Ghanaian new signing for St. Louis, um, you know, yeah, Swope, Swope Park, Park he played for them and didn't get picked up this year, and I have to think it's a personality thing because, um, you know, Tipsy oh. Phil said that he was the USL Nagby. Uh, that may not be true, but the guy knows how to dribble directly at goal, and just people can't get the ball off him, and that is a huge help in the final third where St. Louis has been really, really piss poor throughout this whole season. Um, I really think that that mixed with pace has been the biggest change uh, on the St. Louis team this season in the last few weeks, I should say. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh, Damian Lowe gets a red card and then immediately moves yeah. to Norway. Gets loaned out to IK start. start, which is my new favorite club name. So, um, Yep. Middle fart from Denmark, not yeah. even close. Yeah. I think it's a uh, second division. Uh, it's a weird move. Do you know? Do you think? Do you think Damian wanted that move, or do you think Tampa Bay just saw an opportunity to unload some some uh, some pay or something like that? I listen. I wouldn't put it past a second division Norwegian team to try to get a Jamaican international. Like yeah, that. maybe they paid for him. Maybe it was just a smart financial move for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Current or they were first division last year, but they were relegated from finishing in sixteenth place. But now they're hmm. second division. Yeah. Hmm. And did a four-year spell in the top flight. Yeah. Well, they'll have to start all over. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hey, the other score this uh, this week in week twenty-two, which has already started, because that's that's how that works now. Uh, Charlotte won, Bethlehem nil away. Um, one, fuck the USL game of the week because it's on Watch ESPN and like, you know, I would have loved to watch this in real time. Mm. But neither here nor there. Uh, Tomas Romero is, oh my god, I I don't think there. I was thinking about this in general and and I haven't had an outlet of which to talk about it yet. So. I don't think there's a team in the United States of America that has more depth at goalkeeper than the Philadelphia Union. Top down. John McCarty and Tomas Romero are 
just top two. Well, the just best just or for at least they're one of the top ten and best yep, of Eastern Conference. Yep, the entire organization because you have Dre, Andre Blake with the Union, and then you know he'll either get backed up by McCarthy or Jake McGuire, who's you know. McGuire, that's the other name I was looking uh, for. Very good. And then Tomas Romero. And then if, if neither McGuire... So if McCarthy and McGuire are with the Union, then you have Tomas Romero and Chris Shakes, who's also who's younger than Romero, actually. Um, and is also good. Uh, so that's like, you know, 25 goalkeepers or whatever, um, <laughs> roughly, that we have. No, uh, you know, Enzo Martinez scores, uh, I think, you know, for Bethlehem... Other than a draw or a win, this was your best case scenario because it's a one goal loss and you played well. Um, couple really good chances. Leaders. Yep, yep. Couple really good chances at the end, just didn't finish. Um, other than that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do against Louisville uh, Sunday afternoon. In the That'll be a good one. It should be. I would, I would uh, hope it goes better than than when Charlotte was in town because that was not a good one. Um, anyway, guys, uh, let's let's hear it. We'll we'll, uh, we'll go over all the matches for week twenty two, and then you guys can can pick your favorite. Uh, Saturday, Red Bull two versus FC Cincinnati, Rochester versus Charleston, Charlotte versus Orlando City B, Richmond versus the Junior Reds, Toronto FC two, Tampa Bay faces Ottawa in the uh, NASL derby, uh, St Louis versus Pittsburgh, and then Sunday, uh, Bethlehem and Louisville ending the festivities. Um, Ryan, I see you have put that you would like Charlotte versus Orlando City B, so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you why you'd like to talk about that. I would like to talk about them because I'm more interested in the visitors in this one of Orlando City B. I'm beaten now in their last nine, having won three and tied six. They seem to be like quietly on a, on a run just because that they have those draws. They're not as looked at as much, and this is the one proving ground, especially over these next three against at Charlotte, at Louisville, and at Bethlehem. It seems like this is their chance to show that they're serious for a playoff spot currently sitting in seventh. And what better way to test it against on the road against a team they may face in the first round. Completely agree. Are they the real thing or are they not? You see this this middling team, see if they can step it up against Charlotte. Uh, Phil, instead of just asking you outright, uh, I, I'm going to count down from three, and after I say one, we're going like to say this. what game we'd pick it, yep. it together, okay? Uh, three, two, St. Louis, one, Pittsburgh. Red Bull versus Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's fair. Phil, tell me about um, It's Louis not just because I'm a St. Louis fan and Homer. Um, you can just tell, you know, my, my match of the week is going to be solely based on watching that playoff line for the next 10 games or so. And so this one to me yep. is the biggest one with all these teams somewhere between 24 and 28 points trying to vie for getting ahead of Orlando City B and FC Cincinnati at 31 points. So uh, they're not going to do it in one week. They're going to have to take two weeks to do it. But a couple wins in a row could do it, and St. Louis needs to jump up, and so do the Riverhounds. So um, we'll see if uh, either one of these guys can grab that ninth or 10th place uh, and, and jump up and try to get into that. Phil, we picked different games, but the reason we picked them in fact happens to be the same. Um, now... 
you know, looking at the table currently, of which one Ryan Allen was so happy to, well, was so uh, nice to provide to me in uh, in screenshot form in the show notes, so I don't have to go look in the USL schedule and wait for it to load for like forty minutes. Um, Red Bull two are currently sitting outside the playoffs by uh, three points, actually, um, and they have as many wins as FC Cincinnati. And in fact, uh, goal differential is going to be the big, uh, big tiebreaker between those two clubs, and they play each other. So, um, Red Bull on the outside looking in, they get a chance to, to sort of kick off a, a decent start because they're for a lot of the teams that are on the outside looking in, their real problem is points right now. You know, it's it's get points, and and you're in. Because everyone's goal differential, in, well, until you get down to, sorry, Phil, but St. Louis, is a, is around, you know, it, mm. it's in the positives at least, or, or around there. New York Red Bull, if they win, they'd be level with Cincinnati, and they'd actually take the first tiebreaker and wins, which I always forget about. That's but their goal differential is a minus nine. Um, so, you know, one of those things, those clubs don't see each other again this year, um, I don't believe. So definitely going forward, you know, if they finish in the same number of wins, which I think is a really big possibility, the only chance Red Bull 2 get to directly impact that goal differential a lot is tomorrow. Um, so we'll see. And it'll be a good know. match. So here's why I didn't pick that game is because I am, I'm already sure. kind of sh- turned off on New York Red Bulls too. I just have no faith in those guys making this uh, playoff run. And, um, you know, they just lost Bezicourt. And I also have seen, like, there was some tweet mm. floating around there well, from a Red I Bull mean, guy somewhere in the organization. I don't know if it was the GM or not. But, you know, the guy the guy said, you know, we don't care about wins and losses in Red Bull 2. All we care about is developing our players. And you'll hear that from time to time. Uh, but they cared about wins and losses I don't think they did care. I don't think they cared. I think they just happened to be that good. And so, you know, I guess I guess that nullifies my argument, though. I see what you're saying. So... Maybe that's true, but I just don't see them improving and, and making a push late in the season um, like this. Two, two little kind of caveat things. Uh, one of them, just because I, I cover an MLS2 team, so I know that when you quote-unquote lose a guy to the first team, you're not really – it doesn't really mean anything, um, given that he can still come down there as much I as guess he wants. So. Uh, Anthony Fontana and, and Trusty are doing that pretty much every week for Steel. Uh, and then the quote you're thinking of actually is from um, John Wolniak himself, the head coach. Uh, and it was actually, um, and the only reason that I this is fresh and that I'm correcting you on it is just because I think it's such an interesting quote. Um, and I, I, I've been meaning to ask around about this for a while. Um, for coaches, he said, uh, and, and if I paraphrase a couple words, uh, forgive me, but it's uh, the hardest thing as a coach for this team or at this level is getting these guys to understand the results don't matter. Um, and even if you were to probe his counterpart in Bethlehem, Brendan Burke, a little bit, it's not that the results matter in terms of, of wins, right? Because the whole thing is, well, you guys have won six in a row or whatever. The results matter now, right? <laughs> And I don't know if I agree about with this or not because it's it's not something that I think is integral to finding out in terms of judging these teams' successes. But um, 
Brendan always says that really the wins are just getting these guys acclimated to the feeling of performing well and, and getting rewarded for it. Um, That's understandable. Yeah, so it's a really interesting dynamic. Uh, but yeah, I can I can see how you'd think the Red Bull are done. I also I just, haven't felt it. This table Nothing is, is, is. I think so it's somewhat an intuition too. Just like I'm just seeing Harrisburg up about the, team. The, the table throughout the season, I just never thought anything was really going to come sure. of it. And that's how I felt about Red Bulls too. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing excites me about mm-hmm. Red Bull too right now. Fair enough. I will. I do want to bring up one thing with the week 22. We do have a um, 15 versus 14 match in mm. Richmond and Toronto FC two <laughs> down at the other end of the table. There's that. Woo. So there's that. <laughs> uh, I today today did I do that today? Today I asked everybody if they'd like to ask us things or yesterday one of those Twitter questions. Uh, because partly because y'all's responses last week were, were really good. Um, and uh, there's guys, there's 130 people that follow us on Twitter now. On the podcast really? account, which is stupid. Thank you to everyone. Why, why did you guys do that? <laughs> For one, and then thank you uh, so much. That's crazy. I didn't think when I when I had thank the you. idea for this that like you know five people would listen to this. So um, we really appreciate it. Anyway, um, Ryan, I'm going to let you start just because this one has the most math involved, um, and I don't want to do that. Uh, Boston, our, our our good friend from Cincy Soccer Talk. Um, if we had a phone line, I feel like he'd call in every week. But uh, if the top three teams play in the East. Played the top three teams in the West. Which side gets more wins? Ryan, feel free. So for starters, I, or I would, I'm just gonna list off all the matches. It, for number one, Charlotte would go up against number one in the league, Real Monarchs. Number two, Louisville would go up against number two, San Antonio. And then number three, Charleston Battery would go up against number three, Swift Park Rangers. And I'm going to go out on a bold statement and say the Eastern Conference would be lucky to steal one game yeah. from any of these three. And I think Louisville would be that best chance to really? steal the win. Charleston, I think, would struggle against Swope Park. Mm. And I believe Real Monarchs would yeah. maybe – Charlotte would score, but I think Real Monarchs would run away with that mm-hmm. one, especially if they're playing at home where they, where them and San Antonio have yet to lose this year. Yeah. In fact, San Antonio has goalkeeper of the yeah. year basically – wrapped up with Restrepo. Oh, it's, it's his to lose. I mean, he has been the best goalkeeper of the USL this year. So I, Eastern Conference take one. I think that. definitely one. Right on. I watched Swope Park a little bit before tonight's show, and uh, I didn't think they were that impressive. They might be hurting too um, because I think maybe they sent a couple guys up to the senior team, but they didn't look good. So I think, yep, After exactly. After Dom Dwyer. Uh, yeah, I'll agree. I, I don't know. I think Charleston would have a shot against Swope Park, and I think I think Louisville would have a shot against San Antonio. But I agree. I don't think anyone beats Real Monarchs. Um, I was just going based off a of recent form, and it's the one mm-hmm. where Charleston yeah. has been struggling. That's a good point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great question. I here. would love to um, see that. By the way, so awesome, awesome Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, USL champion team. <laughs> yeah, the 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 USLCL. Um, oh, uh, 
I'll bang out the two uh, the two Beth level questions here from my boyfriend's roommate and uh, uh, his friend. Um, Steel have zero points and zero goals. Thank you for reminding me about this, Greg. Uh, Steel have zero points and zero goals in four games versus Charlotte and Charleston. Um, what do they need to do versus Louisville to break through against the top of the league? Uh, is it a cop out if I if I compare this team to last year again? At this point, I don't know. Are they similar? I feel like they're not similar. No, I don't think so. Well, just because half of those games at this point were were 2016 Steel playing Charlotte and 2016 mm. Steel playing Charleston. That's my reasoning. Anyway. Uh, similar lineups. Yeah. My thing is that the wings are so much better. Um, I don't think there's a better attacking duo right now in the, in the conference. Um, other than what, – what am I – I don't think there's two better wings in the conference other than Nanco and Moore. They just they play, and they go. Especially Nanco, he's stupid. Just runs forever, um, scores goals, does the dirty work. Corey Burke's really good at knocking balls down for him, and so is Seiko Koning. I think that the the big question this year for Steel was can we get goals, and I think Brendan Burke figured it out. Um, I say that after they they didn't score one against Charlotte, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think just really utilizing their wings um, and being organized at, at the back is, is the two big things. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they match up against Louisville for the first time this year because we do play them again. Um, and then the other one, 22 different starting lineups in 22 games. It's like my <laughs> favorite stat every year, by the way, uh, is that we play a different starting lineup in every match. Um I know for sure last year they did. I would imagine this year we have as well. Um, question being, you know, how does that affect the uh, cohesiveness on the, on the field? Um, uh, it's weird because, like, all those guys are professional soccer players, right? So there's kind of a level of professionalism that goes into every game they play. Um Honestly, and this is kind of a weird one, I think it's getting the MLS guys to understand what's at stake in the season in USL. How so? Uh, well, so... Um, the So, you, like, your Keegan Rosenberries and your Richie Marquez's and your Josh Yaros that are only down there for, like, a game or two, right, to get minutes. Um, for the USL guys, you know, oh, it's... Um, fuck, who was that even? Oh, it's Harrisburg, you know, uh, let's get a win over a team that we don't like and, um, and get three points in a, in a season that we want to make a lot better than the last one. For those MLS guys, yeah, okay, I'm playing a soccer game, but, you know, how's my leg doing? You know, what can I get away with that I, that I haven't tried in, in, in recovery before, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then just sort of going through the motions. So I, I think it's getting a lot of those guys that are going to be there one or two times emotionally invested or, or at least, you know, to try 100%. Um, but I mean... like MLB players doing rehab assignments right. down in AA. It's literally, literally the same thing. Um, from there, I, w- I will say that there's enough guys in the steel locker room right now, the USL guys, that hate losing enough uh, that you can probably feel it when you walk in the room. So what I was just thinking is that um, I bet it's good experience for the coach to 
get a locker room and to deal with big personalities and get them to invest. That's that's yep. probably even better for the coach than yep. it is for those players. Yep. Well, you know, that's where having a guy like obviously the big one I always talk about is James Chambers, but that's because he's there every week and he's a he's a professional, um, a delightful person to talk to after matches if they win. He disappears if they lose. Um, uh, you know, but he's a guy where you know that he hates losing and you know what's expected of you. But at the same time, you know, like in that game against Toronto from last week, he comes on, talks some guys through, wins a penalty, converts the penalty, and then he says, no, let's go and get another one. Um, but even to a lesser extent, you know, these guys do see Brian Carroll every every week in training and they see uh marisa do every week in training and and aguchi on yewu and um you know andre blake and uh you know a bunch of guy chris pontius alejandro bedoya harrisman and yan and you know it's a bunch of guys that have experience um and it, you know it's like having a bunch of other coaches out there um so for cohesiveness of the of the units, a weird one just because it varies depending on you know if guys know kind of what's at stake or not. Um, I'm you know it's it's for sure not as easy as independent teams, um, but I, I think you know making that excuse is a little. It is weak. it is weak, but um, I think you, I think Bethlehem especially from when you guys came to St. Louis um, and took that game late. That was the main thing I noticed. And, and again, I don't think that's something you expect from an, um, a, a two side. You expect it more from an independent side uh, yeah. for all the reasons you pretty much listed. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that Bethlehem is especially good at and especially, especially good at considering they're a two side is, is having that drive and that, that, that will to win and keep everyone focused. And, and that's, that's got to be props to the coach and definitely, you know, Chambers and other leaders in the team. Well, and, and, Ice, he said, in the Eastern Conference. Yep, and and props to James for knowing the role and he was and taking it seriously. Into. For goodness' sake, and taking it seriously yeah. even last year when he wasn't the captain, you know, and and for guys, you know, uh, last year like Ryan Ricker, who's another phenomenal human being. Um, you know, it takes a certain guy to go. I'm twenty seven or you know in james cases when he or in james's case when he came over i'm 28 29 um this is my ceiling right and i mean he's been incredibly successful in ireland um this is my ceiling but let me do this because i enjoy it and you know the the benefit of being able to to teach these kids how to be a pro soccer player or a pro footballer excuse me is uh is something i like doing so Anyway, that is the end of my soapbox. Who else? Oh, and then uh, a, a very... Um, Thanks. Att- bless you. A very attractive Twitter user by the name of, of uh, Chaos10, or Sleepy Gary. Um, I might know him. Asked if since he crashes and burns out of playoff contention. Uh, winless in their last three. Phil, I think you mentioned uh, this. I right don't there. think so. I think, I think they focus hard on, on improving. If, you know, if they crash and burn, I think... Koch is going to be very, very upset and feel embarrassed on top of that. 
he's got too many talented players to crash mm-hmm. and burn the rest of this season. So if that happens, he sh- I think he should be embarrassed, and, and that team should hang their heads a little bit. So I think they're going to come back a little bit here. Ryan, is there a U.S. Open Cup hangover? There, I'm not going to rule out the potential that they crash and burn out of the playoff spot. They are, I would put them among five teams competing for two spots, but it seems like they wouldn't just all of a sudden crash and mm-hmm. burn and like not be in a chance for it. I would see them either taking this seventh spot that they're currently in, sneaking in as an eight, or they just barely miss out on the playoffs, and it would be off of some tiebreaker of wins or goal differential. But I think there's still a. Do you very think much there's like a possibility side. that w- GV maybe gets benched a little bit toward the end of the season for not trying hard enough? Do you get that vibe at all? I kind of do. He's he's older guy. I, yeah. There's, there's still maybe a possibility there. I, yeah, I I think well, and then it's one of those things where the closer and closer they get to mathematically being safe and having to play Louisville or, or Charlotte, depending on where they fall, or even Charleston, uh, even Charleston, yeah, um, aka yeah. FC Cincinnati, Crypto right, Knight. right. I think I think they they rest guys for the travel and for that trip. Um, yeah, but I again and and I I think. You know, credit to, to Allen. He runs a tight ship. If he, you know, wants to bench you for, for any reason, he'll do it. You know, he's not yeah. one to put a guy above a club. So. Oh, uh, a little weird, though. Uh, what's the name of his his uh, his center back that he brought up? From oh, Vancouver? I don't remember. DeWitt De- De- or whatever? That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he got sent off, right? Was that, was that the cover? Louisville no, game? No, no, no. He got sent off in league play. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, interesting. Going back a while to my. I know they went. They went like they were doing three um, center backs for a while, three in the back. So. Yeah, they were doing three. I don't. I don't get that. I don't get why you would switch, especially your defense, in formation. Well, I didn't track them good enough because I, I noticed there was four in the back um, for that Open Cup game. So um, I don't know when they switched yeah, back, but yeah. I don't know if it's permanent either. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I, no, I, I think they go. They I think they go back and forth. Um, right? I still defend yeah. Danny Koenig Ob- is yeah. one of their best. Oh my god! Good job. Season. How about it? Start oh, none instead of GV. Really, really smart pickup. Really, really smart pickup. Um, and and credit again to to their head coach and their coaching staff in general for taking a bunch of guys that at least locally here, when Cincinnati was like we got Corbin Bowen and Austin Berry and Jimmy McLaughlin, <laughs> we're like why the fuck would you do that? They're yeah. awful. They're great. So I don't know. You know I I actually I when they were playing against Red Bull, that was a really good audition True. for MLS teams. And I would not be surprised to see a bunch of those guys. Uh, Get uh, get offers. Hildebrandt for sure. Barry for sure. McLaughlin for sure. Fall. Hope for sure. so. Yeah. And and I want to see him succeed yep. because yeah, yeah. I think you know I'd like to see USL players do better and better in MLS. I, we'll see. Yes, but I also at the same time I also don't want to see Cincinnati get poached and be terrible next year. So, bit of a yep. balancing act on that one for sure. 
who knows? Maybe they bring all those players up as an MLS team. They did knock off two sides and move to this port. Uh, and then Mike Pendleton uh, at phat7deuce on Twitter. Uh, which of the teams currently on the outside of, really good of the playoffs? Attendance graphics. He does. Uh, which of the teams currently on the outside of the playoffs have the greatest chance to sneak into the top eight? Uh, which is funny because I feel like we got this question last week, but. I feel like the answer is going to be different every week. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of how things are going. Um, this week, if I had to look at it, I would say either St. Louis or Ottawa, which I might have said last week. But um, isn't it funny that the, St. Louis. the Fury are kind of like really, really quietly in playoff contention? Now, they don't have a, their, their head coach that kind of got them there. So that might give me the tip to St. Louis. But uh Oh, I was going to say also, it looks like the magic number in terms of how many wins you're going to want is at least 10. I would say 11 or 12 is going to be safe, but 10 looks like the number because a lot of teams right now that are kind of on that bubble, especially with that being the tiebreaker. 10 more. 40. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, that would do it easily. If you just Mm. win out, but no one's going to do that, let's be honest. I mean, 40 points is the magic number for the any playoff spot to be in contention or to stave off relegation in the Premier League. But if I had to choose a top two, I'd agree with you, Evan, on it being St. Louis or Ottawa, just more so that they have matches in hand yeah. over their yeah. counterparts of Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, New York Red Bulls. I mean, I would discredit New York Red Bulls, but I would still put them as in contention for a spot. I mean, they are only one place out, but well, and, and it, it would be interesting to see when St. Louis and Ottawa make up these yes. matches yep. and how much the table changes. Yep. And what's kind of crazy about Red Bull 2 and what's kind of crazy about that whole system, they could send Allen and Mule and Etienne yeah. Jr. down. It's true. Pretty much every week. There's your Red Bull 2 team from last year back, basically. Uh, I don't. They're not going to do that. That's not why they would do that if they're going to do it, is to get them in the playoffs or anything. But you know, would be funny. <laughs> uh, get the band back together. <laughs> Phil, as a guy who's who's on the outside looking in, which uh, I fortunately do not have the added wisdom of perspective this year yet. How, how, what do you what are you feeling? How are you feeling about the teams around you? I guess above you, because below you, there's nothing there. You, I'm sorry. Did you was that for me? Because um, yes, uh, I, I feel that was for you. the same exact yeah. way as you guys do. I think those two are the ones that are going to go. And again, is St. Louis have they figured it out? Because if they have, I really think if they play like they did against Tampa Bay, they're going to go on a pretty good run. Uh, except for playing certain teams that just kind of have their number, like Cincinnati. Uh, Charleston seems to do really well against them, even though they don't always win. Um, but um, Orlando City B, uh, that's a big mountain to climb at this point. Uh, they're pretty far ahead, and uh, they just keep steamrolling. So is St. Louis real? And then, as we talked about earlier, Orlando City uh, versus what Louisville. Um, let's see how real they are. Or Charlotte. It's against Charlotte, I think. Yep. We'll see how real they are, too. So those Charlotte. are just good games to watch this week um, to figure out maybe what the table will look like. Funny enough, if the, uh, if the league were to end today which it obviously won't but uh orlando city b would mm. in fact be in the same spot that they ended last year let's get them out of there 
I, so that's the, I do think the I do think the A spot will come down to the final yeah. day like it did last year. That would year. be yeah. fun one that I like it when that happens. Um Oh guys, and, and then I actually had someone phone in a question, if I can break the fourth wall. Um what is the best and or your favorite Mighty Ducks movie? It's gotta be D two. D two. It's so Mighty good. Ducks, yeah. It right? It's gotta be. I love the first one. The third yeah, one got really squirrely. Cause like why are they at a prep school? How did Gordon Bombay get to the position he's in? you know? Uh the first one's great just because, you know, like I, I love me some Charlie Cotton. Listen, so kicks off the franchise. It's true. And they sell jerseys, if if we all know what I mean, which is the player <laughs> shirts that look like jerseys kinda but are t-shirts for all the mighty ducks and i've been really close a couple times on charlie the trigger green's not my color though conway <laughs> yeah it would be conway uh but yeah no d2 if nothing else for the uh the icelandic team that didn't <laughs> sound like they were from iceland at all also like a very the first time ice a very odd antagonist for a 90s movie um the first time Iceland's <laughs> ever been pictured as a villain on the world stage. Do you think they stage. like? Do you think yeah. they wanted to put like Russia totally. or, uh, or you know anybody well, let's else? Play it safe and here. then they were like, "Ooh, yep. wait a minute." Right. Um, Lithuania. My yeah, yeah. Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, I I will say my favorite Mighty Ducks movie was the. Uh, the movie in 2005 where they lost the naming rights and then the Anaheim Ducks <laughs> won a Stanley Cup. Uh, but that's, you know. Yep. Is what it is. Or the cartoon. Never the seen cartoon it. The cartoon was weird. Never seen that. And I love no. it. No. No? Okay. Is You're not like, missing out. Like the Star Trek cartoon You're is not, not that good. Um, so, like, it's weird because the Ducks are kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a very, in a very loose way. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, but like if all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were Casey Jones or something weird, because they all had like hockey shit. I... There you go. <laughs> so Howard the Duck from any Marvel movie. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, guys, let's let's get out of here. Uh, this has been episode twenty six of e- Seriously, why have one hundred and thirty of you <laughs> liked this enough to follow us? It's on a, you know, it's an active one thirty two because <laughs> you know. I'm always surprised how many it questions is. we it get. It is a very active awesome. 130. If they, if they, it's great. If they like us, they let us know. If, if, yeah, if I, I fuck up, they let you. us know. It's great. Thank you. It's great. I, I, it sounded really dick, like a like a very dick thing to say. But I honestly do appreciate any feedback you guys give us. I will, if nothing else, read it and laugh at you. Um, but seriously, anything you guys say. Hey, where can I go to do that? You might be asking yourself if you're a new listener. Let me tell you. At ECC Pod on Twitter. If you'd like to follow uh, my, my friends here, Phil is, is at uh, Phil with two, two L's, L's two O's. rooms with two O's. Like a like a plural for, for <laughs> you know, people getting married, guys getting married. Um, or at STL Soccer Report. All one word, no caps. Uh, I am at, uh, at, at Valella BSFC. It's Vias and Victor, I L L E L L A. BSFC, like uh, Bethlehem Steel Football Club. And uh, and Ryan is at ILM underscore Ryan. And I would tell you what the ILM stands for, but someone got mad at us and I don't want to do it. Um, like a month ago. So you probably forgot, but there you go. Uh, 
Ryan, where can people find you for your power rankings and your ELO stuff and your strength of schedule, which is way more intricate and involved than I will uh, ever do anything of in my life, but I, I appreciate it for this and just kind of in general. So you can find all those articles published usually on Sun on Monday and Tuesday from Indomitable City Soccer, Blurbs Indomita on Twitter. Hey Josh, hey Kyle, hey Evan for the Evan of the West. And those usually go out on Monday and Tuesday under the same username I have for Twitter, ILM underscore Ryan. Isn't it now, hey Josh, hey Kyle, hey Kyle, hey Evan? Hey Kyle. Is there, yeah, yeah. I pay attention to your blog, um, or at least the people in it. Uh, Kyle does both Kyles do great work but uh, Kyle Mankey for sure does, does really good stuff basically started an empire over in San Antonio um, Phil you don't do no, stuff no not really I write here. articles from time to time but not very often uh, yeah, d- fair enough fair enough but uh, you know man does a podcast he's a part of the beautiful game network of podcasts which we are also a part of so he's double dipping it's weird and a lot of times we're on other people's shows because we're kind of the general information guys-ish and some other stuff. So, like, you know, I'll be on Mongols next week. Um, but you can follow uh, our podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, Google Play, um, anything like that. Eastern Conference Confidential. Even if you look up ECC Pod is one word it should hit. Um, I know, I've tried. Uh, but if you want to listen to us first before anywhere else, follow at the BGNFM and us and uh, and it will drop on our website and there's a player in there where you can download it that goes right away um it takes uh hour ish or two for it to drop on stitcher and, and everything like that so if you want this like right away um which means as soon as i send it to mike basically just uh, just follow us over there um and we have a ton of podcasts it's too many podcasts if you're ever going on like a 24 hour road trip to somewhere download a bunch of podcasts yeah do it do it other than that uh gentlemen it's been a, it's been a pleasure as always everybody and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week